You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. Hey, good morning, River. It's so good to see you this morning, and uh, I pray that you're doing well. I know the COVID-19 continues to roll along, and uh, I'm excited this weekend to be able to gather with some of our church family to pray. And I want to encourage you, if uh, you didn't sign up for that, to go ahead and sign up for next week. Uh, we just genuinely want to provide those opportunities to begin to get together, even in small groups, and uh, to really pray as a, as a church family. Uh, when we scheduled this, we didn't realize just last week how our country would erupt, um, just the atrocities that we've seen in video. And so uh, I can't think of a better thing than for us as a church to pray for our nation, to pray for one another, to pray for our community, to pray for God's grace. So really wanna encourage you this week to go ahead and, and sign up for next week. So with that, I'm excited to open up Second Peter and uh, we are beginning a series uh, that I'm calling Standing Firm uh, in Our Faith, uh, a Sure Faith. As Peter the Apostle is writing to the uh, people at large, we don't know, he's not writing to a specific church like most of Paul's letters, he's just writing uh, generically, if you will. I mean, not generically, he's writing to uh, the, the Christians, the followers of Jesus, Gentile and Jew and the whole region. And he's writing because he knows that there are false teachers and he knows the time is short and he's really trying to instruct them to help them. And so throughout this book, this letter that he wrote, we'll be talking about what it means for us to have a sure faith. And this morning we want to look at two or three, just the first couple of verses to kind of open us up. And we're going to see that we have three ways that we are to relate to our God in heaven. You know, we live in a world where it's all individualized, that you can get whatever you want. We joke, you know, in our family, you know, I'll go to, to Starbucks, whatever, and I'll order my, my half-calf latte, extra whip, you know, no cherry, hold the cup, just give me a sleeve, you know. We want our little individualized way of life just to customize it and make it however we, we want it. And sometimes we can approach religion and matters of faith that same way. And we're gonna see this morning that it's actually the reverse, that we have, uh, as God's children who are followers of Christ, we have the responsibility to follow God and to relate to Him in the way He wants us to relate to Him, not so much in an individualized, customized way, but a way that He expects because He is our God. So turn with me to the letter of 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter uh, 1. If you go to 1 Peter, turn a couple pages to the right to 2 Peter. So read with me. The Bible says this, Simeon, Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing, of equal privilege with ours by the righteousness of God, of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Three things I want us to notice about how we are to relate to our God in heaven. He is a God to be served. He's a God to be believed. And He's a God to be, to be known. Peter introduces himself. Paul was the, the apostle to the Gentiles and Peter was the apostle, in essence, to the, to the Jews and was the chief among the apostles early on. And Peter, as he introduces himself, he says, Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. 
Peter, when he first introduced to tell the people who he was and what his identity was, he defines himself as a servant. We, if we know Jesus Christ is our Lord, if we have surrendered our life to him, if we have put our faith and our trust, turning away from our sins and believing on the Lord Jesus alone to be our Savior and our Lord, the Bible describes us as a servant. That is our title. That is our identity. That is our purpose in life. For Peter, his whole life was lived out as a servant of Jesus Christ. You see, some struggle today with exactly what their identity is. We, you know, we've all seen plenty of movies and have read different blogs of people trying to find themselves and trying to identify who they are. Can I tell you, if you know the Lord Jesus, you don't need to find yourself. You need to find yourself in Jesus, that you are a servant of the Most High God. Jesus, the one who came and died and saved us from our sin, that you belong to Him. You are identified with Him. You are, your whole identity is wrapped up together with Him. That is a high privilege for you and for me. Now, for Peter, this played out with him being an apostle. He was a servant, and that is something that all followers of Jesus Christ share together, that, that we belong to Him. And for him, he was his service, his responsibility in serving the God of heaven was to be an apostle. As an apostle, he was one sent out by Jesus Christ, an eyewitness, seeing all that Jesus did to testify, to stake his reputation, to, to be one, to stand up and to speak that truth and to share that with the world. Now today, we don't have any apostles. Well, some might call themselves apostles, but they weren't eyewitnesses of Jesus. They have no more uh, experience there than you or me. But we, what Paul tells us is that we are ambassadors, that all of us, when we are a servant of Jesus Christ, we live our life as an ambassador for Him, representing Him to the world around us. So this morning, I want you to realize is that some of you, as you will go to work tomorrow, some of you, as you go about your daily affairs, you will put on a uniform. You might put on an ID or a key card to get you into a door, something that identifies your workplace. You may introduce yourself on a phone uh, with your title or your position of where you work. I want you to realize when you get up in the morning and you go to work that you are an ambassador of Jesus Christ, that you carry that title and it's actually no less than those other titles and identities. It's actually more that you're a servant of the Lord God of heaven, that you go there to serve at his behalf. You go there as his ambassador into that space, into that workplace, into that community. And as you travel out and about, you carry his identity with you. Now, folks, we are a servant of His because He bought us. There's a purchase price. We are His servant that have been bought by His blood. And that means that our service is completely comprehensive. Everything in our life is to be brought under His will, under His uh, desires, brought, into, brought to bear into living out our life for Him as His servant. This is a comprehensive kind of thing. This is not an isolated thing. Well, I'm going to do my service today. In fact, this is much more comprehensive than work. You don't work for your company 24-7. 24-7, you do serve the Lord Jesus. You're His, His servant everywhere you go. And if we are His servant, then that means that we serve in the way that He served. Jesus Himself said, he said in Mark 10, 45, that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. He didn't come to have 
other people to do things for him. He came to do something for other people. He came not to be served, but to serve. And here's the, way, the nature of his service. And the Bible says this, and to give his life a ransom. That's the price, a ransom for many. Jesus laid down, paid the price of yours and my ransom so that we could, our life could be brought back from death to life, that we could get delivered out of sin and out of darkness. And he purchased us. And because of that service, he expects his servants to turn around and to serve others. You see, if you really serve the Lord Jesus, you're not going to just serve him. You're going to serve others. That's the nature of your life. That is who we are. Sometimes people look for identities and they look for titles and they look for positions. And sometimes it, even in the church, people will, will want those kinds of things. But can I tell you, there is no greater title than for all of us to simply be a servant of Jesus Christ. That's all that we need. That's all that we, that we need to carry our identity, to give us a direction on our pathway. That in the morning, that when we get up every day, Lord, I'm here to serve at your behalf. What would you have me to do today? Now, when you do that, your whole life begins to come into focus. Your purpose begins to come into focus. See, when we forget that identity and we forget that we serve on behalf of another, life becomes about us. And the things that we go through in life, we don't care for. We'd like to have something different. But it causes us to be abandoned to the will of God in our life, to be surrendered to what, how He would use us. It causes us to, in every area, to be used of Him and to be used of Him in the lives of other people. Now, if we have this attitude, we're going to continue on. We're not going to give up or give out. Let's be honest. We all get tired of work at times. There's some things that we do that we enjoy, but even those things, we get tired and we get worn out of it. Then there's other things that we do have to do for work that we really don't want to do, never liked it, and it just kind of comes with a job. Well, can I tell you that when we serve the Lord Jesus, there will be some things that He calls us to do that we don't necessarily care for that much, that we might get a little tired of. And if we're not careful, we begin to make our service contingent upon what we want, upon what gives us a, a charge, to be to, based on what we kind of get excited about. I'm not saying that all of our life and service and ministry will be dull and in the doldrums and we just will not have any uh, blessing or joy in the middle of that. No, I'm not saying that. But I am saying this. If you don't live your life to serve the Lord Jesus then you will, along the way, you will give up things that He wants you to do. You will throw in the towel too early. You will duck and not fulfill your responsibilities to help others in a way because you'll be like, ah, I just don't like this. I don't care for it. It just doesn't fit me or suit me. So I want to challenge you, church, this morning. Do you in your heart serve the Lord Jesus? Or do you serve yourself? Or do you serve someone else? You're going to serve something and I challenge you to serve the Lord Jesus. Think about it this way. Uh, I, I think some of you have been working in our kids program for quite some time, have probably received some communication and emails from us. We're trying to take the, the COVID-19, while we can't do some things, we're trying to take the opportunity to do other things. And so we're, we're going back through and kind of, as you guys know, a couple of years ago, we really upped our... Um, our qualifications to work on our kids program. So everybody that's been new over the last several months, maybe a year or two, has gone through uh, our, our training and our extensive references and interviews and all of that. 
but we're now beginning to catch up with those who've been serving in our kids' ministry before that that didn't have quite as rigorous of a time. And so we want everybody to be on an even keel and so that we can tell our parents like, hey, we're doing all of these things to provide safely, safety for your kids. You know, when you serve in those ministries, you're serving the Lord Jesus. Yes, you're serving River. You're serving the parents here that allow them to come and to, to participate and worship in the service. You're serving the kids that you're pouring love and modeling for them and teaching for them. You're serving the, the, those who don't know Christ yet and haven't really surrendered to Him, giving them an opportunity to connect and hear that. But ultimately, you're serving the Lord Jesus. And I want to thank you for that service. But that's not all. When you go to work, you may be, somebody may be having a bad, difficult day, and you're actually nice to them. You may help them. You may genuinely give of yourself to above and beyond the call of duty. When you do that, you're serving the Lord Jesus. When you, when you reach out to them and you pray for them, you're serving the Lord Jesus. Well, Sean, how, how is that possible? I want to remind you what Jesus said is even if you give a cup of water in my name, you, when you do that in Jesus' name, you're serving him. You've done it not to them. You've done it for him. So folks, consciously this week, I want to challenge you every day to start your day I am a servant of Jesus Christ. That will bring the, your commitment up. That will bring your commitment to excellence. To, that will give your, bring you to a point of serving others as you should. And it will fulfill your life. That's the purpose by which God made you. It's your identity. It's your purpose. And you're no more satisfied in life than when you're fulfilling the very purpose to which God made you. Second way, relate to God. Not only is he a God to be served, He's got to be believed. Look what Peter says. He says, I'm writing to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness or the justice of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Little cool thing here when the Bible says our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, it's talking about one person. Our God and Savior, colon, if you will, Jesus Christ. Not our God separate and our Savior. Not that one. The Bible is very clear. In fact, if you want to get really picky and look at your Bible, if it's a literal translation, you'll see in verse 2 when the Bible says, refers to the knowledge of God, of God and of Jesus our Lord. See the two ofs in there? That means there's two people in mind. Verse before that, there's only one of in there and the translators did that so well. It's calling Jesus Christ who is our Savior who's also our God. You see, we have a God to be believed in, and His name is Jesus Christ. We are to believe Him. Paul, Peter, as he writes to the, these, these followers of Jesus, he says, you have obtained a faith. You have been graciously given. He didn't say you believed in our God and Savior. He says, you have obtained this. This has been graciously given to you is the import of that word. I want us to recognize this morning that even our faith is a gift of God. You see, faith, surrendering our life to Jesus as Lord, is not something that we well up in our heart and our mind thinking, okay, I'm just really going to do it. I'm really going to believe I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. This is not an empowerment kind of thing. This is not a psych yourself up kind of thing, a power motor muscle through it kind of thing. 
Sometimes when people are trying to understand the Bible and, and come to that point of faith, they, they, they lean into it and try to almost will it in their mind and their heart. And, and we should lean into our God in heaven. But what this verse tells us is, is that it's actually something that God gives to us, that we obtain it from Him. Do you know the verse Ephesians 2, 8, 9, if there's two verses in the Bible, maybe there's three or four. John 3, 16 is a great one to know. Romans 3.23 is a really good one, but Ephesians 2.8 and 9, if you had to really boil the gospel down for people, but to tell them simply that the verses say this, for by grace you have been saved through faith. If you're trying to help somebody understand what it means to be saved and to have a relationship with Christ, Ephesians 2.8 and 9 are, are wonderful. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, God's gift to you, not of works, not of anything you can do. And here's why, lest any man should boast. When the Bible says it is a gift of God, what is that referring to? For by grace you've been saved through faith. It is a gift of God. Is the it referring to grace? Is it referring to salvation, being saved? Is it referring to faith? Truth of the matter is it applies to all three. That grace that God gives us is His love that we don't deserve. That salvation that He gives us is wholly His that we haven't earned. And even that faith is a gift that God grants to us. So this morning, we have a God that we serve, but we have a God who is to be believed and trusted. And that starts at that moment of our salvation when we surrender our life to Him as Lord and trusting Him and Him alone to be the sin solution, to be the one to give us... A, Put us at peace with Him and our God in heaven to be the one to fulfill all that we need and desire in this life. We believe Him, but that belief is something to be something that we continue. It's to be the mark of our life that we are known as believers, those who follow Jesus Christ and who simply trust Him day in and day out for everything. Now I want you to notice something that's really significant, that this faith, this belief that we have, is a great equalizer. Look what the Bible says. It says, we've obtained this faith of equal standing with ours. Peter was an apostle. He could have been seen as a super Christian of the day. Oh, he's an apostle. The apostles had what we call apostolic authority. When they spoke, you and I were to listen. You and I were to follow because they were not speaking on their behalf. They were speaking on God's behalf. And it was God speaking through them. And they gave shape and direction to the early churches. And to this day, even this morning, we're preaching out of that, that authority that he's speaking these words from God to us. But Peter said to us, he said, guys, you have obtained an equal faith to ours. You see, for Peter, he was a Gentile writing to a a Jew, excuse me, writing to Gentiles. He was an apostle writing to the average rank-and-file Christian. And what he is saying is, is that all of our faith is on an equal footing before God. The NIV translates that precious. It's really not the best translation for it. It means more here, equal standing. It's the idea of equal privilege. In our culture and our world today, privilege is a code word. It's looked down upon by so many. Do you realize that when we are followers of Jesus Christ, we are all of equal privilege? We are all of equal status? We are all of equal standing before our God? That God doesn't give 
more faith or less faith or second-rate faith to anyone. But our relationship with Him, it matters not what our, our, uh, where we are in life or our standing in life, that we are all equal. I would be remiss if I didn't refer or point out this week to just the, the, the tragedy, the, the travesty of what our country is going through. I have to admit, the videos that I've watched with Ahmad Aubrey and with George Lloyd, they're tough to swallow. I, 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 I have a tough time processing how those events occurred. And those, those tragedies should run deep into all of our core because we know that God made us as people in His image. And as a church that we hold to life, we hold to the equality and the dignity of every individual. Everyone on this planet deserves that equality and that dignity to be seen in that. And yet, to watch their, those lives just so, just snuffed out, it's hard to swallow. Church, I want us to recognize in the middle of the world that we have around us that the gospel and our faith is truly the great equalizer. That before our God in heaven, it's out of His righteousness and His justice that He gives us this equal standing. There's a saying that the ground at the cross is level. There's no ranking or higher of order. It matters not what a person's ability is, their mental abilities or disabilities. It matters not what age a person is, young or old. It matters not whether they are physically uh, incapacitated or whether they're full of vigor, full of life. It matters not what color they are. It matters not what standing and class in life. It matters not whether they are homeless or they live in a mansion. That all of us come before God on equal footing before Him. And as a church... That's what we stand for. As a, as a church, it's difficult for us to process. Most of us in our congregation have not had to bear the marks of, of being identified with a people of, whose heritage is slavery. And these wounds go deep into, into the souls of many. It's important that we as a church weep and empathize and hurt and ache and speak appropriately, not riotously, but speak and speak truth that God stands for life. It's important that we speak for that for no matter what color a person is or what their responsibilities are. My heart goes out, our, the, the, the tension and antagonism in our country is so heightened right now. I have tremendous respect also for our law enforcement officers. I have the vast majority of them are men and women of integrity, putting their lives on the line to keep peace and safety. And as a Christian, I expect that they're sinners, that there are wicked people and people who struggle to live in a life that, that honors the Lord Jesus and respects the things that we're talking about, the equality of people, the dignity of life on, in every group. But folks, as a church... That's not to be here. That's not what we stand for. 
we recognize that the gospel puts everybody on an equal playing field. Peter says, guys, it doesn't matter who you are, Jew or Gentile, it doesn't matter whether you're an apostle or not, that the faith that our God that we believe in is an equalizer, and it puts us together. Third thing I want you to, to know, and I'll be done. Our God is a God to be known. Look what verse 2 says. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. God is not only a God to be served, a God to be believed. He's also God to be known. We've talked a lot through the Thessalonian letters about grace and peace. And Peter mentions it as well. As well. Don't blow by this. This is not just boilerplate kind of on the front end of a document. This is not just the stuff you blow by in a, a memorandum of understanding. These are important things. Grace and peace are what we need. Lifeblood in our life, day in and day out. And so they get reminded to us. But notice what Peter tells us that it's a bit new. He says that this, may this grace and peace be multiplied over and abundantly to you in the knowledge of God. God our Father who is talking about and of Jesus our Lord. You see, grace and peace comes to us multiplied more and more the more we know God in heaven and Jesus our Lord. You see, the Christian life is about us knowing God. The Christian life is not first and foremost a conformity to a set of, of uh, rules that we follow. It's not a pattern of behavior that we get measured by and, and examined by. It's not a job description that God every year evaluates us to see how well we've done. Those standards would all be legalism. No, I'm not saying that, that we can just live life however we want. But I am saying this, that the essence and nature of our life as a follower of Jesus Christ is in relationship to God in heaven. And because we have that relationship, we do live differently. That it's really our knowledge of God that we know Him more and more. That's what we're after. Sometimes if we're not careful in our Christian expression of faith, that we are sincere and try to follow God. We put the focus on, well, I need to do better. I need to live better. And I need to, to do this. And I need to do that right. And oh, I blew this. And, and before you know it, we're on this treadmill. And we're, we're running and running hard. And yet we really aren't growing in our relationship and our knowledge of God. And God's over here, and we're busy putting our focus over there. No, what Peter says to us is, I'm praying that you might have more and more grace and peace. And see that as kind of growth and blessing in your life that comes by simply knowing God. That comes out of that deep and abiding relationship with Him. You see, when you and I surrender our life to Jesus, that's the very beginning. That's the, the introduction. That's a saying I do at the altar is the church, we are the bride of Christ. And that's the very beginning of any marriage relationship. That's not the end. All things being equal, if two people get married and they live a long life, they should know each other year by year more and more. That love should grow sweeter. That respect should grow deeper. They should know one another. Just have an intimate knowledge of that person that blesses their lives unbelievably. And that is only but a whiff of a taste of what it should be like for us 
as followers of Jesus. Your knowledge of God should be growing deeper because that's where your grace and your peace really comes from. It comes from knowing Him. It comes from a, 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 a walking with God in that. John the Apostle, when he wrote 1 John, said this. He said, I write to you children because you've known the, the Father. He, he says in there, and I, I won't quote all of it, um, but he says, I write to you children, I write to you young men, I write to you fathers. I mean, he does it a couple of times, but at the end he says, I write to you children because you've known the Father. When you and I first surrender our life to Jesus, we enter into a sweet, wonderful relationship like a little kid that just is happy, that has a father that, that loves them, a daddy that cares for them. I recognize for some of you that concept of God as father is a, is a stretch and a challenge because of, of your own experiences with a father. But even so, God grows us in that. But what God turns around or John turns around and, and inspired by God, he says, even though I tell you little children, I write to you because you've known the father. He says, I write to you fathers because you've known him who is from the beginning. You see, there is a real truth that God is our Father, and we pray to him in the sweetness and the simplicity and the care and the love and all that we think of as a little child, the protection and all of that. But as we live our life, and day by day, year by year, that, that knowledge of God matures, and it deepens that God is his Father, but he's also the infinite one. He's also he who is there from the beginning, who's self-existent, who needs nothing else in this universe, who is all power, who is all wisdom, the source of all of life in this universe. So much is wrapped up in that statement of him who is from the beginning. And what the Bible is telling us, John is subtly telling us, is that, guys, when you grow in your relationship with God, your understanding and your knowledge of him deepens, not just some academic, abstract, physics kind of experiment about how one could be here without any dependence on anything else. But instead, it's a, a deepening in that relationship that you experience the power of God. You experience his infiniteness. You experience his wisdom. You experience his tender care. You experience so much more the vastness of our God in heaven because you have experienced it in all of the phases and things that you've walked through in life. And Peter says, I'm praying that as you, through that knowing of God, that you experience all of that grace from that God and that peace as you go through life. Christian, you should value that more than anything in this world. Your goal and purpose in life is to know God more and more. Jesus said this is eternal life, that they might know you, the one true God, in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. The Bible tells us that that's the focal point. Paul said that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and that I might in the fellowship or that I might share in his suffering. God wants us to live our life with him. So church in the middle of the oddities and the things of life and right now life is still I think weird for everybody. If you're like me you're probably tired of wearing masks. Honestly I am. I'm trying to do it to, to buy by the guidance of our leaders and those in authority. I'm trying to do it to, to uh, 
keep people safe as best I know how and to show respect and all of that. But I'm, I'm road weary with it, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm ready for normalcy and I don't know if that is going to be a reality after this. I've heard a lot of people, oh, we'll never return to normal and all that. I, I don't know. We will get back to some sort of state of normal, I believe. But you know, as we walk through that and the shifting of schedules and the, the flexibility and people's work schedules and life and relationships and all the heart, heartache and difficulties, there's one constant through all of that. And is that God wants us to know Him even more. As the ups and downs of life go through, God wants us to know Him. He wants us to experience Him in all of that. And that only comes through you and I experiencing the stuff. Big theological word there, just the stuff of life that we know Him as He walks with us through the middle of that. So River, I want to encourage you to put your focus there. Put your focus today. Are you a servant of God, the Lord Jesus, or are you serving yourself? Is there a part of your life where you're, eh, I'm going to do this for me? Have you surrendered everything, your job before Him, your time, your family, your commitments? Are you truly serving Him in those things? Your relationships, your goals and dreams, your budget, your accounts? Are you really truly believing in Him? Maybe you've not really surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus today. He gave His life for you and He expects, wants you to totally surrender to Him for Him to be your Savior and your Lord and to live for Him. And church, if you do know Him, do you, are you living and, and recognizing the quality and appreciating people, not defensively, but genuinely caring for those around you, respecting as you should. And then last, do you really, are you really growing in your knowledge of Him? Do you know Him? Are you really walking with Him? Not just are you saved, but have you maybe turned your Christian life to just a set of things you believe and a set of things that you do, abstract, that's not what the Christian life's about. It's a life that we live knowing our God in heaven and out of that relationship with Him, He changes our life. And we do live more obediently and we, we live in righteousness. Not so that we can know Him, but because we do know Him. And there's a huge difference. River, I'm praying that, to, that this week that you might live out these truths. So before I go, won't you pray with me? Father, I am grateful for these truths. I confess that there's some days that I don't have in the forefront of my mind that I'm just your servant today. Servants don't get days off. We are bought by our Lord Jesus and everything is to be lived for Him. And Lord, I'm grateful that you are not a taskmaster. You're not at all abusive. But in the middle of that service that we find our joy and our purpose and our satisfaction. Father, forgive us when we give up that first best, and we choose second best, living for ourselves. God, would you be gracious and reveal any area of all of our lives that needs to be brought under your service. God, help us to believe in you and to continue to trust you. And forgive us when we rank people, we view people differently 
other than everyone being in, made in your image with the respect and value that they deserve. And Father, help us to know you, I pray, to truly be a people that walk with you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Visit us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or online at riveralbany.com.